Amen. Well, it's a thrill to be back again. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far, no, I'm just teasing. A young man at the age of 19 had been led to, to Jesus by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Kent Fischel. I just talked with him two hours ago on my way up, and he sends his love and his greetings. That young man went to Ball State in a fraternity, drinking, partying, sorority, dealing with sorority girls, big man on campus, all that kind of stuff, living a life of uh, the party scene, even though it had led me to the Lord uh, a year earlier. That year at Ball State University as an undergrad, I pretty much hit the skids. I mean, I was as low as low could be. I was trying to live this double life. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe I should use a different microphone, Jesse. What do, you, what do you want to do, buddy? Yeah, if you just want to run that up, I'm fine with that. Thank you so much. You're the best, buddy. We'll just trade. Here we go. Great. And so it was after my freshman year at a secular university, Kent Fischel, I was living this party life in an ATO, Alpha Tau Omega, as president of my pledge class. I tell you what. Like I said, drinking and partying and just living this life of debauchery and sin. And at the end of my freshman year, official says to me, hey, we need counselors at Bayshore Camp. Would you come and be a counselor? My response was, are there going to be females there? Yes, there will be. I'm in. And so I came to Bayshore at the age of 19, a fraternity guy, Ken had led my brother and myself to the Lord on the same night. We're not only biological brothers, we're spiritual twins. And so I came here as a counselor, living this double life. And on the very first night of camp in that tabernacle, some of you will remember that Russ and Didi, you may have been here. I know Lenny Sheridan was here. Pam Doobie may have been. I'm trying to think of some of the people who would have been here back then. Very first night, an evangelist by the name of Jimmy Lentz was preaching a message. I was sitting at the back of the tabernacle under conviction, and I was a counselor. And I said to Fischl, tonight I'm going to make a lordship commitment, and I'm going to go all in. That was July 26, 1972. What's today's date? 48 years ago tonight, I made a lordship commitment. When I went back to Ball State, I had to, to tell my fraternity brothers, and I'll tell you that story a little bit later in the week, that I was deactivating. And I took all kinds of persecution at that time, and I decided to go to a Bible study. When I went to the Bible study, I saw this good-looking brown-haired girl with blue eyes, and I said, hi, 
what's your name? And she says, my name is Judy. I said, my name's Joel. Do you mind if I sit down next to you? Let's see. We got married on her birthday, and we've now been married 45 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you ever wonder when people make a decision at a camp like this, well, that's just emotionalism. Well, you know what? Those things don't last. You know what? They're just going forward just because everybody else is going forward. Don't you believe it? Because I became a pastor, and I've had an international ministry and speak all over the country, all over the world. And it started here at Bayshore Camp. And God is interested in doing something like that, a new thing, as, as Jeff said, in your life as well. The problem is you don't think it can happen. Well, I'm here to tell you, it happened to me, and this stuff is real. And it can happen. Now, we've got note outlines provided for you. If you did not get a little half sheet of of a note outline, raise your hand. Some of the young people back there by the sound booth, excuse me, if you need a note outline, raise your hand. They will bring it around to you. If you look on on the screen in front of you, up here at the front, it's going to be on your left. We're going to be dealing all week long in the evening sessions with a theme that I have titled, Uncharted territory. Uncharted territory. Now, let's see. Where where did I do with my... Let's see. Jesse, I'm going to have you advance the slide if you would, please. It is based on a scripture found in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. Now, I want you to watch this very carefully. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, this is what it says. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been that way before. Boy, if there was ever a time in your life that that verse would ring true, is it not now? We are in uncharted territory, beloved. Did you, could you ever imagine six months ago, this is what would be taking place? I just finished a series on the second coming. Our church wanted me to preach on the book of Revelation, second coming. And I tell you what, I've always wondered. I mean, I can't even imagine when the Antichrist comes and, and when the, that something could happen to the whole world that would bring the entire world to its knees. People aren't saying that now. Did you ever envision what would happen politically in this country? Had you ever envisioned what would happen economically worse than the Great Depression in a moment? A matter of months. The Dow Jones, the stocks, unemployment. And I tell you what, it doesn't look good. With COVID, with all this stuff going on, Black Lives Matters, the protest, the presidential election. I tell you what, I haven't even got to your personal life yet. But believe you me, beloved, we are in uncharted territory, are we not? And the Lord says to Joshua, as he's going to say to us all week long, you have never been this way before. 
And so the challenge that I'm going to give each evening is, how do you navigate uncharted territory? How do you navigate uncharted territory in your marriage regarding your health, regarding your finances, regarding your job, regarding, regarding your kids, regarding COVID? I've got a, we have three sons. We live in uh, university. Uh, we live in South Bend near the University of Notre Dame. Go Irish. Our middle son teaches sixth grade. I also teach in Niles, Michigan, semi-retired. I'm not sure if I'm going back to school. And there were 400 high school kids. I was talking to Jeff earlier. Two of our three boys have elementary age children. They're not sure if they can send their kids. They don't know what to do. This is uncharted territory for all of us. Well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with the election? What's going to happen if Trump wins? What's going to happen if Trump loses? What's going to? Nobody knows. We don't know, do we? This is uncharted territory. What happens if this thing keeps spiking? Are they going to shut the country down? And then what's going to happen? Is Congress going to pass another multi-trillion-dollar bill? Where's that money coming? I mean, I tell you what, this goes on and on and on. Not to mention the fact that you're going through uncharted territory with your children. Frankly, you're not sure what to do. Your son has decided he's gay. Your daughter is shacked up with some guy. You got a call from the doctor who said, the x-ray that we took, we see a shadow. Can you come back in in three weeks? This is uncharted territory, beloved. And so we're going to discover some principles from the book of Joshua. But before we do that, if you've got your biblical text with you, used to be that we had Bibles that had pages. But now you've got your cell phone and your iPad and things like that. Look at the book of Deuteronomy, the very last chapter. Watch carefully. Verse 1, Moses climbed Mount Nebo. I've been to, had the opportunity to lead teams to the Holy Land five times, and we've been on Mount Nebo. It's actually over in Jordan, the kingdom of Jordan. It's the mountain upon which Moses dies. Stood on that mountain. i tell you what, if we ever have the opportunity, I hope, I think I got one more trip in me. If we ever have the opportunity to go back, to stand on Mount Nebo, this is the scripture that we read. Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. And we stood right there. And there the Lord showed him the whole land, watch, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev, the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. And then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promise on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over. You and I read that scripture, but you see, if you've never had the opportunity to be there, you don't understand what's happening. Watch the screen. Moses climbed Mount Nebo across from Jericho. Do you see where Mount Nebo is? And there the Lord showed him the whole land. Next screen, please. Watch. From Gilead to Dan. Do you see Gilead? Next. All of Naphtali. Watch what's happening. Next. Territory of Ephraim and Manasseh. Do you see it? Do you understand now why it was sequenced like this way? Next. All the land of Judah and the Negev. Next. 
the whole region from the valley of Jericho as far as Zoar. In other words, what is happening, and when you're in the land, you understand this. It is a counterclockwise panorama. I am standing on Mount Nebo like this. I can see Jericho right down there. You can see the Jordan River, and there is, there is Jericho. We'll talk about that this week as well. Oldest continually inhabited city in the world. And what God says is, I'm going to let you look at the land. And again, unless if you're a geography buff like I am, this is how it happens. He turns to his right and he sees Gilead and Naphtali. And as we read that scripture, we begin looking at those regions. And by the time we get down to the Negev, people are sobbing. Because you recognize that you are standing on the shoulders of giants. I am standing in the spot where Moses stood. And the Bible says at that time that Moses died and God buried him and nobody has any idea where he was buried. You want to know why? The Israelites would have made a shrine out of it. And so the, the half dozen times I've been on Mount Nebo, every once in a while I kick the dirt thinking, well, maybe I'll find where Moses is buried here. Verse 5, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, that is the kingdom of Jordan, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. He did not die of old age. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, who in the Lord knew how, face to face who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. By the way, who wrote the Pentateuch? Moses did. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Well, I'm reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses died. Who wrote the end of the book of Deuteronomy? Joshua. Yeah. This last chapter is probably the quill of Joshua. Moses had been a figure for 40 years. 40 years. The Israelites, the generation had to die off because of unbelief. And the only ones who were alive that were able to go into the promised land after the exodus out of Egypt, two guys, what were their names? Joshua and Caleb, only two guys. Everybody else would die off. When they were spies, they were 40 years old. They're getting ready to cross into the promised land. They're now 80. Moses is 120. Man, these dudes got longevity, see? But Moses dies. He is the only leader they have ever known. How would you like to step into that succession? Huh? And so you've got, the, you got Joshua, who is not only grieving the loss of his mentor and Moses, you've got to now lead these people into the promised land. 
dude, how would you like to step into them shoes or sandals as the case may be? Joshua chapter 1, it should be on your note outline. Follow along. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, watch. Moses, my servant, is dead. Understatement of the century, huh? Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am. About to give to them, to the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea in the west. I'd like to suggest to you three principles on navigating uncharted territory. And here is the first. Watch carefully. Bring it up, please. Facing uncharted territory. Whether it's it's grieving that which could have been. Whether it's grieving some great loss, and so many of us have gone through that. Or the anticipation of an uncertain future. Joshua had both. I'm grieving Moses in the past, and I got to lead these people. See, it requires a time of processing. The Bible says that they grieved for Moses for how long? 30 days. Why would that happen? Not only is it Jewish culture, but God knew something. He knew it would take time for Moses and the or for Joshua and the people to get their arms around this thing. You see when you experience loss, whether it's the loss of a spouse, the loss of a marriage, the loss of your daughter, the loss of a son, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of income, the loss of hope. All of us are facing some kind of loss. You must, there, there has to be this time of processing. Now, let me tell you, this is how this thing happens. You're tooling along and you hit the wall. Well-meaning people will say, get over it. You're a Christian. Trust God. And that's fine. But if you're not extending to yourself the privilege of processing, let me tell you something. The thicker the wall, the greater the speed you're going, the longer you'll spin. You hit the wall, and you just don't get over it. What you're going to do, you're going to hit the wall, and you're going to spin. Like I said, the faster your acceleration and the bigger the wall, the longer the spin. You have got to process this thing. God says to, Mo to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Why would he say that? It's kind of like, oh, wow, thanks for the information. I hadn't realized that, God. Of course he knew it. But what God is saying to him, look, you have got to get your arms around this thing. That which was is over. And I don't know where that becomes tangent with your experiences in here tonight or this week. 
But you have brought along with you to camp this year a marriage, a dream, children, grandchildren, a health issue, finances, a job, COVID. I mean, you mentioned, you, you name it. We got everything from soup to nuts. And God is saying, you're going to have to come to terms with this thing. And you're going to have to give yourself some spin time. Now, you can't keep spinning forever. Because eventually, watch what God says. Moses, my servant, is dead. What's the next statement? Now then. Now then. Let's get up. And you're going to lead these people. And I'm not sure where you are in the process with whatever you are, whatever you're grieving. The loss of romance. There are, there's a young person here tonight who has just broken up either an engagement or a relationship with a girlfriend or boyfriend. There are people here who have gone through the pain of divorce. You're single parenting. And at some point you realize, I, I, this is a new normal. I had the privilege, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, expert on thanatology, the study of death and dying. I had the privilege of, she's passed away now, but I had the privilege of being with her in a seminar. And she says, anytime you experience loss, you must go through five stages. Jot them down. Here they are. And by the way, you will go through every one of these stages. Some of the stages you'll go through more quickly than others. Again, it depends upon the depth of your pain, how fast the vehicle is going and how big the wall is. Stage number one, denial. By the way, this is true whether you lose a spouse or lose your car keys. Any loss, the first response you will have is, I can't believe this, this, is, this is not happening. I remember getting that telephone call when I was pastoring a number of years ago. Pastor Joel, yeah? Listen, this is, uh, this is your brother's neighbor. Your dad has collapsed in your brother's backyard, and the EMS is on its way, and, and it doesn't look good. I've never heard those 11 words sequenced in that particular order before. And somehow, this is crazy. I said, okay, thanks. And, and I, I hung up the phone and went back to typing on my typewriter. You do goofy stuff when you hear stuff like You're in denial. I'll never forget. I and mean, I've talked about this when I've been here before, 11 years ago, when our oldest, who had a full ride to Bethel College, Bethel University in Mishawaka, president of the youth group, straight-A student, said to us 11 years ago, I no longer consider myself a Christian. Mom and Dad, I'm going to rock your world. I no longer consider myself a Christian. How do you process that as a dad? Well, you spin. See, you spin. And you... This, this is not happening. Next stage. Well, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get mad. 
I'll never forget when my dad died, and he did die that day, that suddenly my mother, as a new widow, began remodeling the house. She began spending money. New furniture, new carpet, new wallpaper, new roof, new car. And it's kind of like, Mom, what are you doing? And finally, in a moment of weakness or maybe a moment of honesty, she says to me, you know what? I'm so stinking mad at your dad because he left me here all by myself. See, she had to process through denial, and then she, then she, then she got mad. See? Well, then what do you do? Next one. Well, then you begin bargaining. You realize you cannot change it. And so you begin praying these desperate prayers. See? You begin bargaining with God. I will do anything. Lord, I will do this. I will give up this. I will stop doing this. I will never do this again. The fourth stage. And then you spend it lower. Then you go through depression because you realize it begins dawning on you. This thing's not changing. This is permanent, at least permanent for now. Some are more permanent than others. My dad is permanently dead until heaven. I see him in heaven. My son is permanently a prodigal. I hope. See. And then finally, acceptance. Once again, what are you grieving? What is it that you brought to camp? Some of you may be married to an alcoholic. You're married to an abuser. There's a family secret that you haven't told anybody. And when you discover it, these are the stages that you're going to go through. See? Depending upon the issue, some of them you speed through more quickly than others. Christians will go through this as well. Joshua goes through this. That's why if you look at the rest of chapter 1, be strong and be of good courage. Why is he saying that? Do not be discouraged because he was depressed. Be strong because he's feeling weak. See, what's happening in Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, it gets it right. What you see is Joshua begins walking through these stages. It is a new normal. Number two, let's go to the next screen, please. Facing uncharted territory, we're going to stay with that passage, will require claiming God's promises each step of the way. Now, I'm going to reference Verse 3. Look at verse 3 from Joshua chapter 1. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now that is a very significant, I'm going to have you jot in a few words. That's a very significant uh, verse. He says, every place where you set what? Your foot. What that means is you have to take steps forward. Write in the word intentional. For you to heal, for you to get through this thing, after you have spun, 
It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. It doesn't say, yea, though I wallow in the valley. You have got to walk through the valley. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step backwards. But he goes, you must put your foot. See? Every place you put your foot. Now, isn't it interesting? Not only is it intentional, the second word I want you to write in there, it's incremental. You do it step by step. People come to me and, and ask, you know, pastoral counsel or advice, and they'll say, you know, my, my marriage is a mess, or my husband's into pornography, or my husband's having an affair, or my wife's left me, or whatever the issue is. They, they've got problems in their marriage, and let's say, this is the marriage they want, and this is where they are. And so often I get, the, I get a call like at 1130 at night, Pastor Joel, we have got to talk to you. And this is my stock answer. Look, it did not take you 30 minutes to get into this ditch. You're not going to get out of it in 30 minutes. I can chat with you now and pray with you, but we're going to set up a time that we can talk further. You didn't get into this thing in three months. You're not going to get out of it in three months. That's what I want in my life. That's the kind of Christian life I want. And when I came to Bayshore, or when I became a Christian, man, I was in the fraternity over here until finally I was convicted. That's the life I want. Well, what had to happen? Watch. If that's where I want to go and here's where I am, this is what I got to do. I got to turn around and I've got to point my feet in that direction. Some people, all they want to do is say, that's where I want to be, and they just bellyache. Well, if that's where you want to be, you're going to have to take some steps. And so I'm going to have to turn my feet. Now, look, there is no way that I can get from here to that music stand in one leap. That's not going to happen. See? God doesn't say, everywhere you begin leaping like a kangaroo. He says, everywhere where you, st where you place your, I remember one guy was, I was talking to was so, his name was Paul. He was so stinking depressed. He dealt with such depression. I said, Paul, I don't want her to be, be depressed anymore. And part of it was probably chemical imbalances and, and generational and, and hereditary sin and that sort of thing. And I said, Paul, what we're going to need to do, we're going to need to turn your feet. Is that where you want to be? Yes, it is. All right, here's our goal tomorrow. You're going to get out of bed. For some people, that's a big deal. And after we get out of bed for three days in a row, now you're going to get dressed. See? You are not going to get over here where you want to be with your kids, with your marriage, with your job, in your finances. Some of you are so stinking far in debt. How do I get out of debt? Well, I tell you what, it's going to be step by step, isn't it? See? It's going to be a process. It will be incremental. And so it's not only intentional, it's incremental. And every once in a while, you're going to take a step backwards and don't beat yourself up because that's all part of it. See? And Joshua had to learn these issues. When you're dealing with uncharted territory, you are going to hit the wall. And you are going to spin. And you have to make a determination, am I willing to now, now then, get up and lead these people out?
You see, God says, this is going to be a new day. We, and, and you're going to see in the, in the nights ahead that there's going to be some strategies employed. And they're going to have some plans. And they're going to have to think through some tactics. Because they, get to get a, they have to get across a stinking river that's swollen. And then not only that, once they get over the river, there's Jericho. Congratulations. It's a walled city, for crying out loud. So it's kind of like if I was Joshua, because I can be given to depression and to t- discouragement, I would think, oh, great. Not only has Moses died, I'm the successor. Look at that stinking river. And even if we do somehow get across with 2 million people, I don't like the looks of that walled city. That's why God says every, every place you put your foot. We're not fighting Jericho today. We're not crossing the river today. We're getting up today. He says to Joshua, get up. And finally, number three, here we go. Boy, isn't this true of our country right now, huh? Facing uncharted territory will require trusting God for a future that you can't see right now. What's going to happen with the economy? I don't know. Well, what's going to happen with the election? I don't know. The election? I don't know. Well, what's going to happen with school in the fall? I don't know. Well, what's going to happen with my I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. You see, going into, into Canaan, some of you will remember Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. He gave this great speech. Some of you, know, of you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. When he was talking about the war in Iraq, this is what he says. There are known knowns and there are known unknowns. Anybody recognize that? There are known knowns and there are known unknowns. We know certain things about the enemy. Those are known knowns. Now, there are some unknowns that we don't know. We don't know how big the enemy is. We don't know what kinds of artillery they have. Those are, those are known unknowns. He says, the ones that scare me are the unknown unknowns. The things that I have mentioned to you already, what about the election? That is a known unknown. We, we, we know it, it's out there, but we don't know what's going to happen. What about the economy? That's a known unknown. What about COVID? That's a known unknown. What about opening up schools? That's a known unknown. Those aren't the really scary ones. The scary ones are the unknown unknowns. The ones that you're not even aware of that loom out there, see? And there are those, whatever you're dealing with tonight, in your family, in your marriage, with your kids, there are known knowns and there's some known unknowns, but it's the unknown unknowns that are the spooky ones. And at that point, you're going to have to trust the Lord. See? Well, how are we going to deal with Jericho? Uh, you're going to have to trust me. Let's don't, we're not doing Jericho today. Yeah, but I see that river. Don't, don't worry about the river. Yeah, but that's, it's, it's really unknown how we're going to get across. I know. That, that's a known unknown, Joshua. Settle down. Watch what God says in verse 4. He says to Joshua, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. Did it ever dawn on you that Joshua had no idea what he was referring to? 
Joshua did not have Google. Joshua did not have a Rand McNally map. He did not have a Bible atlas. God starts naming territory, the great sea where? On the west. I have no idea what sea you're talking about. He'd never seen the Mediterranean Sea. Well, on the land of the Hittites. The the Hittites? The Hittites. I don't know who those guys are. See, isn't it interesting that God says, I know what's out there even though you don't. And you're going to have to trust me. When I was here 10 years ago, I talked about my prodigal son. When I was here two years ago, I talked about my prodigal son. He is still a prodigal. And I will talk about that in the morning seminar coming up. Things that we have, I tell you what, that has given us, Judy and me, a platform and podium for ministry beyond my wildest dreams. First time at Bayshore, we talked about prodigals. We had 200 people in the tabernacle. It's the dirty little secret of the Christian of Christian uh, in America. People don't talk about it. We're losing our kids, and you've got parents suffering in silence. It's embarrassing. I'm a pastor. My kid went to a Christian college, and he's turned his back. Now what? See? That's a known unknown and an unknown unknown, all at the same time. Well, you know what? How do I, deal? How do I go to sleep at night? You're looking at it right there on the screen, that, that last principle. I have got to trust God for an unknown future. See? I become absorbed in the why, the what, and the when. Why is this happening? What is taking place? And when will my son return to the Lord? I'm asking the wrong questions. The question that you should not be, that you're asking is, why, when will this thing get resolved? And what, it, what in the world is going on? You're asking the wrong question. You know what the right question is? It's not the why, the when, or the, or the what. It's the who. Who's really in charge? Do I really believe that God's sovereign. Welcome to Canaan. It's uncharted territory. Let's pray. Our Father, this this message becomes tangent to all of us tonight. We've all been there. We all live there. And Lord, during this time of uncertainty in our country, with the economy, with the political landscape, with our own health concerns and family concerns and marriage concerns and kids and grandkid concerns, Lord, some of us have hit the wall hard and we're still spinning. Help us to learn how to be intentional and incremental in taking steps. Help us to learn to grieve properly and then to recognize a new normal. And Lord, may we see in you that you know this unknown future that we don't know. And may we trust you for it. And beloved, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed,
Do you want to take a step forward this week? Maybe you don't. But do you want to want to? I'm not sure if I want to or not. Well, do you want to? Yeah, I, I, I wish I felt like I wanted to. Well, that's good enough. And so in this quietness of this moment, what I want you to do is just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to want to. Please help me. This week, as I walk through some uncharted territory, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Joel. Do you want to want to? What a great way to start the week. We're going to dismiss at this time. Um, we do have uh, ice cream available. We do have Bible studies in the morning. And we do have a full week of answering that question, do you want to want to? So will you pray one more time with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again. We thank you once again for your mighty word and the ministry that it brings to us. We thank you once again for the music that lifts our hearts towards you. And we thank you once again for your quickening spirit that touches our hearts and calls to us as deep calls to deep, Lord. And tonight it calls to us asking us to just simply want to. Not to commit, just to want to. And so, Lord, as we leave this place today, I just pray that that question would linger in our minds as we lay in our beds tonight, as we drive home from the camp, or as we walk to our campers, as we lay in our hotel beds. Lord, just continue to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, and we will see you in the morning.